Hi there. Welcome to the Good Life Podcast. For Advent this year, we are looking at the ultimate Christmas renovation. In all the wonder and celebration of the season, I hope you can reflect on your relationships, your heart and words, and find areas in need of some hope and restoration. I hope you enjoy. Well, hello, I'm Greg, like Josiah said, if I haven't met you before, it's so lovely to um, have you here with us today. Welcome. Um, And yes, we're continuing a series called Christmas Renovation, and I got pretty excited about this topic because I deeply love renovating. It's deep in me. I think for years I um, was a teacher here on the coast, and now I have the privilege of working here at Good Life with people, which is my favourite thing. But there's something about, you know, starting a project and seeing it through and this finished product that I find so rewarding. So last week, Mike asked a question of us, um, who here has renovated? And it was something, yeah, I was hoping I was going to get the Guernsey, you know, following him up. Um, In 2014, I think the next slide, have we got our slide, Sydney? Um, My wife, Sarah, and I on the keys, not the Sarah hosting, just for clear any confusion there. Um, We bought our house. We'd rented it for a long time. Yes, and that's our house now. We've spent years chipping away at this, and I deeply love renovating. Um, One of our initial um, desires was to convert. Our first project, we had this living, dining, kitchen space over here on the right. We had these three spaces when we bought this house, and immediately I knew, because we'd rented it for so long, I knew, This has got to go. These walls have to go. Um, And I think the first day it was ours, I got out the hammer and I was ready to attack the wall and knock it down. And thankfully, my wise father was there and he said, just before we get too hasty with that hammer, let's have a look. Because walls have a tendency of holding other things up. (laughs) So sure enough, we checked it out and he was correct. It was holding up the ceiling and the roof. So pause there for a minute. And my legendary father and I, we climbed into the depths of the ceiling across minefields of, of um, fiberglass insulation, the cheap stuff, and we converted our entire hand-pitched ceiling into trusses, for those people who know the building industry. And that shifts the weight of the roof onto the outside walls. So then we could, after all these days of work in the ceiling, in the hidden ceiling, we came back down and finally I could get that sledgehammer again and I could go to town on on removing that wall. It was a long process. And it was tough, it was challenging. But last week Mike said, he um, suggested that he should probably be on the block. Now I'm here to tell you that he definitely should not. As a man who works closely with Mike, and I don't know if you've shaken his hands, but those, they're baby soft. They are soft as soft. Even keys, the keyboard does damage to those fingertips. And the last time I saw him using a stud finder, it was on himself and he was going, hey, hey, Teresa, check this out. But, so yes, I think a much better candidate, as you can see there, is myself. I actually have renovating experience. My hands, are somewhat calloused, maybe more so than Mike's, maybe not as much as any, I don't want any plumbers or builders coming and crushing my hands after this service and showing them what a real man's hands look like. Just leave me be in my little false sense of security. Um, But anyway, Sarah and I, we 
are true candidates for the block. Okay, I just want to put that out there. We are true candidates. We've renovated. I know how to use a stud finder. Um, we've watched the block for a long time and we have done our own assessments and we really think all these things could be done better. So we think actually we're up. And we actually began making a video application and you can see that's some footage there of me. Sarah encouraged me to take my shirt off. She thought it was really going to help. Um, but anyway, as we actually got into this application, I started to get second thoughts because renovating is hard. And I was like, do I actually, would I be okay if there was a film crew here watching my behavior and my words as I was doing this? And I wasn't so sure. Here, um, that's our con concrete um, kitchen bench top that I cast. And I still remember now, as I ground it back, the lime in the concrete burning the tips of my finger and, and the slurry tearing through my shirt and I had a burn across my stomach. And I don't think the words that were coming out of my life were, were, um, were fit for television. So we had second thoughts and we never lodged our video. And I thought about that this week when we we're talking about renovating and I thought actually I've got a pretty poor long history of, of, of pretty poor words and how I use them. You could just ask um, Trish, my mother-in-law who's here this morning, actually probably don't ask Trish, but just I'll give you one example only, the, the best example I could think of. Originally when I was very interested in a young Sarah, way back when at university, um, I was actually in a Bible study group with Trish. So far so good, right? Way to win over the mother is go to a Bible study group with her. Cor incorrect. You see, young Greg thought he knew a lot and he liked to tell Trish just how wrong she was about so many different Bible verses and things. And he would just like think, I'm gonna impress her with my knowledge and my wisdom and I'm just gonna smash her beliefs to the ground. And it's this beautiful memory that Trish and I still treasure to today, don't we Trish? We often sit together, have a cup of tea and we're like, oh, those were the days. And I think that's something I wanna talk about today is our words. If we're gonna get super practical about our faith and our expression and renovating ourselves, I think our words are so key to that. So let's jump into the book of James. In James 3, it talks about the tongue. So let's read it together. It's a bit of a long passage, so stick with me. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing and makes grand speeches. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Young Greg knew that. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So it's getting very practical, very much focusing on our words and the importance of them. And there's two things I think that stand out for me here. The first is consistency. Now as Christians, we're called to be ambassadors of Christ. And I think consistency is essential for that. Without consistency, you don't have reliability, you don't have trust, you don't have credibility. Secondly, 
Oh, and then if we're ambassadors of Christ, we're actually role models of Christ to the world around us. We're examples. And if we think about Jesus, in Hebrews 13 verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's what a core truth we cling to, that we know the character of God because of that. He's not going to be one minute angry with us and the next minute good. We can, we can cling to the fact that we know he's good and we've got to be that consistent as well, especially with our words. Secondly, the difficulty in controlling the tongue is really clear here. It says no one can control it. It, is, it has this huge power over our lives, power to direct our lives, power to cause huge amounts of damage. And I think it's something we've got to think about handling it accordingly as a, as a powerful item. Now, whenever I've renovated at home and I pick up my new tools, they always come with these multitude of, of books, right? These instruction manuals that we usually just discard. But they come with all these warnings about how to use this powerful item. And I want to just pause and play with that idea for our tongue this Christmas. And I had some, maybe a couple of ideas of what might be in the instruction manual that came with your tongue. The mouth is best left unused. When necessary, it should only be operated by a trained individual over the age of 30. With appropriate supervision and in a safe environment. The safest environment for operation is alone. At Christmas, for example, when the host asks how the turkey is, words such as tender and delicious are encouraged. The word dry should be avoided. However, if absolutely necessary, ensure the appropriate safety attire is worn and be aware of your exits. Another one for Christmas, avoid talking about Donald Trump, the voice and the rapture. <laughs> Too late for Mike Hardy. All right. Now, many Christmas movies play on this idea of um, Christmas being an especially a tough time for conflict in the family. Um, as all these now grown adults with their own personalities and views on the world and like young Greg, who knows so much, come home and they like to share their wisdom openly. And it's something, um, yeah, it might vary from family to family, but it's something that's pretty broadly acknowledged. And I had a look at some um, articles written by the Catholic Church addressing this. The first one was called, um, "'Twas the Fight Before Christmas." And the second one said, holidays as annoying as the little drummer boy. So apologies to anyone who loves that ca Christmas carol. Um, but these articles were acknowledging that broken reality, that sometimes we find it even hard to say kind things to our closest family and friends. The challenge in that. And yet conversely, it was highlighting actually the importance of Advent in renovating how we approach this Christmas season and preparing ourselves for God's arrival and how that should be actually flow on through our words to our family and friends and, and all others. You see, we want to be active participants in God's kingdom. That's the invitation, not reactive. And I think that's a key to... Advent and to all the life of, of a Christian is we're actually trying to prepare ourselves, not just react to circumstances. And that's the invita invitation of this morning. So how do we undergo this renovation of our words? That's what I want to talk about now. Now, going back to my original renovation story, 
which maybe you're wondering why I just wrapped it up and shared that at all. But before I could remove this big ugly wall separating our kitchen and living and dining spaces, I actually had to go into the depths of the ceiling, this unseen area, and I had to do this structural work before I could remove that. And I think it's the same here. If we want to renovate our words, we actually have to go much deeper. There's some deep structural work we need to do in our lives, and it begins in our heart. It's this inner transformation. So with Christmas um, renovation idea, I wanted to play with five tips for renovating our, um, ourselves. So in Luke 6, before we jump into that, sorry, Jesus says, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So that's what we've got to get to. We've got to get down to the depths Transformation begins in the heart. Again, we see this consistency here as being a key as Jesus speaks about what we say should line up with um, who we are. And as Christians in Galatians 5, some of you would be very familiar with this, it talks about the types of fruit that as a Christian we should be bearing in or evident in our lives. It talks about love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if these are not consistently evident, then we're in desperate need of some renovation. So here are my five tips. First one, identify the problem. So just as I wanted to remove the wall in my house, I recognised first, well, my father did, that first we needed some reinforcing. So we need to recognise um, our own brokenness and how often we miss the mark. Now in the Bible, that's the Greek translation for the word sin, is missing the mark. And so often, I know I do, miss the mark with my words. When, um, when my words don't reflect the infinite worth and value of others. Now Rome, um, Paul echoes this in Romans, and he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? So we've got to recognise that there's some areas of our life and the more specific we can be, the better. What needs renovating in our lives? It's worth pondering. Identify the problem. Second, we've got to consult a professional. Get expert help. What I didn't mention before is my dad is actually a professional builder and any time um, I'm undertaking something new, I give him a call or I really encourage him to come and spend some time at the coast and enjoy the beaches. Yeah. <laughs> Get away, Dad. You work too hard. Now, if you want to renovate your heart to the way of love, there's no greater example of that, no more compelling story than what I find in the Bible and the story of Jesus and the invitation of his life to love where he refuses to get revenge, where he ref chooses to forgive always and to love, and that's compelling. So I think the expert, the invitation is to actually reach out. We need God's help. We need to get God involved. And I think the difference here, as we we're singing that song, I Never Walk Alone, I was thinking it's, it's just a perception thing. 
the expert, the professional is there with us all along. It's just my awareness of that and my choice to engage with that. It'd be like renovating my house and my dad's right there watching me and not choosing to engage with him and not choosing to draw on his knowledge and ask him all this as I undertake every step. It just seems foolishness, doesn't it? But that's what we often choose to do. We just try and do it ourselves. We've got to consult the professional. God is with us. That's what we remember at Christmas. Emmanuel, God here with us and for us. In Romans, Paul goes on the very next verse to answer his own question about being a wretched, helpless person. He says, thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. We need help. We need the professional. Point number three on our renovating our words. We need to follow the advice. I can't emphasize this enough. Who here doesn't like following instructions? Anyone done Ikea and thought, I don't need that booklet? It's a disaster. It's living hell. <laughs> if you don't follow those instructions, Ikea gets dark. <laughs> now, I'm the same. I'm so tempted to take shortcuts. And I think I've even got an image here. Just currently, I'm doing this stone wall at the front of my house. I told you, this is, I'm renovating for life. It's been a decade and I'm just like constant. And this is my rock wall. And I had this section done. And the very next day, I actually had nearly the whole complete wall done. And I put the last, the top left-hand corner rock in place and it didn't feel very good. And I realized the fragility of the situation I was in. I was home alone, holding this rock with this wet glue. And I was all right, I need a clamp. So I pushed hard for a minute and then I ran to get the clamp. And as I was in the garage, I could hear this cascade of rocks, this avalanche. And I came back out and nearly, I'd say over half the wall was back on the ground. Some of the rocks broken, glue everywhere. And I had to start again. I had to literally hose all the rocks off and mix up new glue and, and start again. I didn't follow the advice. And I looked at the, the instructions on the back of the glue and it was like mix for two minutes, wait for five minutes, mix for two minutes. I was like, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> but suddenly, I found time for that. <laughs> Now our own renovation, we need to follow the advice. And there's so much advice in the Bible, an invitation to spiritual practice and community in particular is two things I wanna highlight right now. In Psalm, verse, chapter one, verse two and three, it says, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. In Hebrews, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We've got to lean into this community be around other people, like-minded people, to champion each other on, to follow this advice that we get outlined in the, in the scripture and for other great people. 
Working here at Good Life, I count as such a privilege because I'm surrounded by excellent people who I look up to and admire and they champion and cheer me on in love and good works. It's such a privilege. I wish everyone could experience that. And in the Bible, we're this knowledge of God and the correct way to live. If we believe that we're created in God's image, we're like him, then the best way to live is to follow his example. And that's when you're going to experience life to its fullest. So follow the advice. The timeline, number four. When we're renovating, renovations always take longer than you think. My wife was recently um, sharing with a colleague at a school I used to work at, so I'm pretty well known in that community. Um, she was reflecting on a time I was emceeing a wedding. And fatefully at this wedding, I thought it would be really funny to use the word bridezilla. It didn't go well. It's, people were deeply offended. And it was not a great situation. I haven't emceed since, <laughs> believe it or not. But anyway, Sarah was sharing this story with this colleague and this other person found it so hard to believe, that of me. And I think it's only God's grace and that in my life, the bride's forgiveness and so many people's forgiveness. But I'm so thankful that God is this God of faithful endurance and he's walked that with me. And I think that the renovation, just like a renovation at home always takes far longer and is more painful than you could ever imagine. Same with my life and the God's renovation in my life. And it's only now I start to look back and I think, don't ask Trish, I think <laughs> I can see growth. I can see change. I'm not perfect yet, I'm not there yet, and that's why I need to be here this morning and need to be in this community. But I can see growth and I can see change. In James 1, verse three and four, it says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. It's not really advice, but it's just a mindset that we need to hold. And that's very helpful if you hold that, that this is gonna take time, that I need to faithfully, patiently endure and I will grow. My fifth and last point for renovation is that things will not go as planned. If you're planning a renovation, remember, things are gonna go wrong. I know my friend Andy's walking through that right now. Thought he brought a great home and things were not as they seemed. Water pipes going nowhere. Tradesmen who don't show up, except for Amos Bartle. You know, a price that is always 10% more than what you think and then add another 10% for GST. As we renovate our heart and words, things are gonna go wrong. We're gonna make mistakes. We'll say things that disappoint others and disappoint ourselves. And that's why God calls us to this life of forgiveness, of, to forgive ourselves and forgive others. In Ephesians 4 verse 32, it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, 
tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And I love this verse in Proverbs. It says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Things are not going to go as planned as we renovate, but we've got to hold space for each other. God's grace, God's forgiveness. And that's the invite I want to leave you with today for this week and this season as we prepare for Christmas coming. I encourage you to reflect on this and renovate. Take stock of your life and apply this to yourselves. You might be further along on the journey or you might be still catching up, but I think there's always room for growth. And I think our words are so important. As Christ's ambassadors, that's often the thing that we, we leave with other people. That's what leaves an impression on others. Our words have power, power to give life and encouragement or power to, to kill, power to bring death and, and sorrow. And we've got to carry the responsibility of that. So here's a summary of those points and I encourage you to go over them. Have a reflect about where in your life. It's a big question to ask. I think Mike asked that question last week about encouraging you to ask, is there anyone I need to reconcile? with and God's going to answer that this is another one if you pray this where are the problems in my life what do, where do I need to grow I think God's going to help you find them and see them that or just ask your mother-in-law or your partner <laughs> consult a professional God is with us that's the what we remember here at Christmas Emmanuel God with us and for us and he wants to be involved it says draw close to me and I'll draw close to you God wants to be involved in our lives Follow the advice, get in community, get in the Bible, pray. Spiritual practice is key. Let's be active participants in the kingdom, not reactive. Not when things go wrong, start looking and thinking, ah, oh, if only I'd done that differently. Let's start to transform ourselves so we're ready for Christmas with tough family members, potentially, or colleagues, wherever it is. Beck, my sister, this is not about you. <laughs> Justin, maybe a little bit, no. <laughs> the timeline, it's going to take time. So I encourage you to endure. It's been exciting actually preparing for this and reflecting with my wife about, not that I'm there yet, but that the growth that is evident in my life. It's a beautiful thing to reflect on. And remember, things are not going to go as planned. Hold grace for yourself and others forgive, offer forgiveness and accept God's forgiveness. Will you stand with me? Thanks for listening to the Good Life Podcast. To stay up to date, make sure you subscribe on the platform you're listening to right now. If you're interested in our conversations that delve a bit deeper and are hosted by Hannah Bartle, you can check them out in the same feed. Otherwise, it would be amazing if you could like, follow and even give us a five-star review. It all helps in getting the good news out there. You can head to our website, goodlife.org.au for more information or check out our YouTube channel for more video resources. Have a great week. Peace.